0: This is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that keeps its finger on the pulse of everything that's going on in the property world. So with WeWork recently filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in the US, it won't come as any surprise that we're talking about the flexible workspace market today. WeWork's problems are the sort of thing that could have less thoughtful observers running for the hills. What better time then for Work There to publish its annual Flexmark report? giving a more considered insight into a sector that's both
1: growing and complex. We certainly see the whole working from home debate and the challenge to offices is very much in the rearview mirror.
2: The market's kind of growing because more and more people are considering their products flexible or we're expanding that definition. And I think for operators like us, we need to be careful about what markets we do enter. You're seeing
3: operators now deliver uh, saunas deliver pretty extensive gyms deliver a huge breakout and amenity space that goes beyond what you might be used to seeing in an office of just some nice desks and chairs
0: I'm Guy Ruddle and I'm delighted to say I have with me people representing all angles of this sector. On the advisory side, Cal Lee is global head of work there, Savile's flexible office specialist. Work there's been around since 2017 when Cal founded it, and it now has specialists in 11 countries. Cal, since we've been talking to you, that, that I think that's grown a bit, hasn't it?
3: It might have, yeah. It's been a while now.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's great to see something that sort of flourish in the way that that has. From the Occupy point of view, we have Natasha Guerra, who is CEO and founder of Runway East, which has been creating co-working spaces for high growth businesses since 2014. Natasha, thank you for coming to, to Real Estate Insights.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And from the building owner's side of things, Simon Rowley is director of Flex Workspace at Great Portland Estates. Simon started GPE's move into flexible workspace uh, in 2018, and now has the task of growing the group's workspace in central London to a million square feet. Simon, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, good luck with that. That's that's a quite that's a lot of space. It is, yeah. But yeah. we're making good progress already. Excellent. Right. Let's get into this. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about WeWork uh, and and what's happening in the States in a a minute because it'd be hard not to. But before we do that and to sort of give a proper sense of perspective, perhaps we could just all have a look at the the overall state of the market, particularly in the UK. Cal, you've got this this annual report of yours. And do you want to just I mean, without giving us a a presentation, do you want to give us a flavour of where the market is at the moment?
3: Yeah, look, at a very high level, the UK market has remained resilient. In our, in our survey, contract occupancy in the UK is at 85%. That's down slightly on 88% last year, but it's above our global average of about 83%. I think what we're seeing is a bit of a tail of two halves. So you've got the top end of the market performing particularly well. Uh, continued there 's a continued drive for best in class space, and that 's helping drive some price growth uh, but at the other end of the market, the more budget end of the market, competition continues to hold back that death rate growth um, and therefore margins are are being increasingly squeezed as costs go up
0: and in your business natasha do, I, I, is that the picture that you see
2: Yeah, I think this is the first year where we 've really seen things go back to a more stabilised normal post-Covid like we had a summer again um, where people didn't shop for offices and then it came back over the boom in September and the last few years have been a bit like one month on one month off Um, so I think actually this is the first year where we've kind of returned to what we think is kind of a new normal.
0: And is, is that reassuring for you?
2: Um, I think yes, because we can actually, like, measure and and look at things. Um, But also I think, like, we're we're as busy as we were pre-COVID now um, and occupancy's back up to where it was. And I think we've seen a more settled, um, like... Level of demand and also occupiers really knowing what they want.
0: Simon, from your point of view as a, as a, as as a building owner, what these two are saying is that, is that reflected in 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 your working life?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think from what Cal said, um, the bifurcation of best versus rest is unquestionably um, absolutely in the market. And then from what Natasha just said, we certainly see the whole working from home debate and the challenge to offices is very much in the rearview mirror. Um, We had two record leasing years the last two years, and then this year we're seeing some record rents ahead of ERVs, so beating what the valuers think, which is kind of counterintuitive when you think about what's been going on in the market. You, you know post-COVID, you would have thought it would be um, a lot tougher. But people want the best kind of office space to be able to look after their employees. Yeah. I I, I was
0: going to talk about working from home later, but you've mentioned (laughs) it now. I've never really got to the bottom of whether working from home is a good or a bad thing for the flexible office market. I mean, obviously, it's a bad thing if companies have got everyone working from home. But if they are working partly from home and partly from the office, then Flexible is kind of the buzzword, isn't it?
2: I think it's a good and a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. It's been a good short-term thing in the sense that, you know, post-COVID, a lot of large occupiers particularly have moved into flexible space. I think they've moved into flexible space, a lot of it because of the uncertainty. Um, I think now that they're here, they'll probably stay because I think once you've seen that level of service, realised you no longer need an FM team and actually someone else can manage all of this hassle for you and we're living in a much more uncertain world, Actually, you're likely to stay, but I think also, you know, the challenge is as you know the economy struggles, people will probably say to themselves, "Do we need an office?" Um, if lots of people are working from home, so I think there will it will also create the question um, for people as they're you know if businesses continue to struggle.
0: Yeah, and and Cal, it was interesting that what Natasha was saying is bigger bigger companies taking bigger amounts of, of, of space. Is that is that what you see, and is that changing the market? Do you think?
3: I think it's ultimately driven by demand, and, and we've seen both operators and building owners adjust to that. So we've seen operators at one end create larger spaces, and, and we'll get to them, but led, led largely by by WeWork creating these enterprise floors for 100, hundred, two, 300 people. And at the other end, we've seen GP being an example. Landlords, or building owners rather, come down and, and provide... Um, smaller suites in their eyes, this isn't 20,000 square feet, but it might be five or 2,000 square feet to, to accommodate the demand in that market. At the end of the day, the customer is dictating what they want. And if you're not meeting it, um, you've got a problem.
0: Go on then, let's uh, let's deal with the WeWork issue <laughs> while we're here. So yeah, for, for anyone who's been uh, on another planet uh, for the last few weeks, WeWork in the US filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. I mean, we've been talking about WeWork and the problems with WeWork for many, many years now. Uh this particular event, what's the impact on the market generally? But but and 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 when I say that I mean in the UK, do you think?
3: I think there's two aspects to it. I think the actual impact is yet to be known because in reality they might have let go of one or two buildings, but not much beyond that. And as far as we understand, their business is performing uh, or has been one of their better performers of their global of their global business in the UK and Ireland, and they want to retain as much presence as they can in this market. The risk, um, or the other aspect to 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 answer it, is around what reputational risk is there, both from a broader market perspective. I is what's happening with WeWork happening to others, um, and hopefully at the start of this podcast, we've, we've to some extent proven that wrong. Um, we've known the market has been very resilient this year, and Natasha and, and Simon of both. Uh, back back that up with their own experience.
2: I think that people forget that it's actually still a very, very fragmented market. So I think at the height of WeWork, I read an article once that said that WeWork had 4% of the flex space in the industry and that was at their peak. The flex space has grown and lots of people have entered the market. There's now landlords doing it with slightly different products. So now what was their percentage of the actual market? So actually the actual impact of WeWork in this market for in terms of the amount of flex space that there is is probably relatively small.
3: One opportunity uh for the market is that if you look at take up of flex space pre-2019 we were taking the majority of that market it was averaging three million square feet we take WeWork out of that equation from 2020 they've only signed one lease it's now averaging about a million square feet so you've taken two million square feet a year out so there's an opportunity there for other operators to step in and to scale uh, maybe not at quite the scale and rate at which we did but at a scale and that growth to go and meet some of the demand that we're seeing.
1: Yeah. I think the scale point is a good one. The um, There wasn't a lot wrong. You know, if you look at the occupancy levels in WeWork, there's not much wrong with the product. There's a heck of a lot to admire about what they did. But the capital structure and the methodology was questionable. And as a result, they have scaled and taken space, which isn't suitable, as we've already talked about. Best versus rest there's a lot that was probably in that latter category, which has been damaging. But um, they've still got some, a product which is in demand. And they did a lot to actually push uh, real estate into a slightly more service-centered environment. And also, they are a brand which is known. You know, it's not something that you tend to get in real estate. And actually, if if people start to deliver really high-quality service... There's no reason why other brands can't actually achieve loyalty and notoriety, but for the good reasons. I thought it's interesting what, you, what you're saying about some of their
0: space being rest, not best. I, I, I'd always, always imagined that they had all the best space. So I guess that begs the question, what does constitute best? What, what is good space in, in, in this sector right now?
3: I think there's two, two key things. One is Location. So being a prime location, prime part of the city or or whichever part of London or the UK market uh, in a good prime building. Uh, And then equally, it's around the specification of what is delivered, what amenity is on offer. You're seeing operators now deliver uh saunas deliver pretty extensive gyms deliver a huge breakout and amenity space that goes beyond what you might be used to seeing in an office of just some nice desks and and chairs it's much much more than that it provides lots of different environments for people to to work as well as even play
0: you're doing that natasha
3: um,
2: saunas, yes, every building.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is that what, when, you, when you're looking at uh, uh, what's the very best you can do in, in terms of providing space, what, what are the, apart from what Cal said, are there other things that, that, that you would say uh, that's what people really, really value and really get value out of?
2: I think there are so many things that go into like what make a building successful. It's not really how we look at things. I think there's a right product for a building and you need to figure out what that is. And that's part of the magic. And that's one of one of the reasons why scaling so fast in this market is like very, very, very challenging. Um, I think my perspective is that like, you know, your favorite pub isn't necessarily the one that's like best designed or has like the best food. It's the one where you go with your mates and you make the best memories. So our view of it is always that like community and like atmosphere, kind of trump um, some of those things like saunas.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So um,
2: we've we've talked quite a
0: lot about the the sort of demand side of the market. What about the the supply side? Are there more and more well both operators like Natasha coming into the market, and B building owners like Simon uh, in the
3: market? There's certainly more operators coming into the market and, a, and a, as we said a good pool of uh medium-sized operators that are really growing and want to grow at a further scale to the extent we'll see more and more landlords i think is more questionable because i think we've seen quite a few of the bigger ones enter the market um already the likes of GBE, but british land and Landsec, as we talked about before and equally some of the estates but and that, and simon can touch on it there's a lot of challenges for landlords to go and do this themselves and um i think that those that barrier will mean that only so many really want to get their hands dirty as it were and go into it most will probably partner with a runway east or another where they can leverage that that skill set
1: yeah Simon you were nodding yeah I think um you're right scale is quite an important factor in whether a landlord should take this up or not scale gives you clustering opportunities pricing power economies of scale but also you need a team who are going to deliver this and Most of the time, I think a a lot of landlords in central London are going to say that that is not the best use of their team. They would prefer to actually partner with someone like Natasha, who's got a team already set up to do it. Um, We do have a team in place, but we've also got the right kind of buildings. And I think any landlord who is considering whether to take this on or not directly has to look at the quality of their stock and that's not just the things that we just talked about in terms of location, but it's also the size of floors, because there are two ways you can go. You can either take a huge floor and then just chop it up into lots of little rooms like uh, we work have done in the past, or you have a portfolio like we do, where we've got floors which are typically two to 5,000 square feet. So over 90% of our portfolio is already in that size bracket, which is in high demand. So we don't actually have any more customers than we would have otherwise, uh, we're just providing more service to them. So it kind of makes sense. We manage all of our buildings ourselves. So it's just an extension of what we were already doing. So it makes sense for us. It may not for others.
0: Has the relationship between the likes of you two changed much? I mean, between landlords or building owners and, 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 and occupiers. I mean, we were, as you were hinting earlier, some of the problem with WeWork was it was, you know, lease arbitrage, right? It, you know, that's essentially where it's gone wrong. It was, that was partially the business model. Has... Is, is it has has the way you, you you deal with each other or Cal, has the way that people like Natasha and, and Simon deal with each other changed and will it change more in the future, do you think?
3: I think we've seen that lease arbitrage can work, but it doesn't work for every single building uh and location. And we've seen that shift from pre-COVID where that was the predominant form of deal structure between an operator and a building owner. But we're now seeing more management agreements exist. I think it was something like 45% this year versus about 9% in 2019. And that really accounts for the fact that building owners want to take more risks, want to have more control about what is being provided, more of a shared reward of that income. And I think it almost moves to more of a wholesale retailer kind of model. Building owners being the wholesaler and the operators where it is really retail heavy and have they have the resource to go into it are are the effective retailers, like we see in other markets like hotels as well
1: I would add that there 's a danger in trying to you know create a new brand to compete with the high street retailer, which is effectively where you 're going if you 're going to create your own your own brand and compete whereas you 've got people who are already on the high street who are doing very well who 've got a well known brand and uh, and you can leverage that by going into either. Uh, a management agreement or some sort of profit share with them
2: i think the flex like the definition of flex is broadening every like you know every day like co-working used to be like single desks in an open plan office and now like what you guys are doing is is called flex and actually they're quite a lot of them are quite big suites and so i think that the market's kind of growing because more and more people are considering their products flexible or we're expanding that definition and i think for operators like us that's actually meaning you know we need to be careful about what Markets we do enter and be complementary to larger landlords, as opposed to fighting with them.
0: What do we mean by that? So, what what makes it flex? Then, just the lease, the the, the, the tenancy length. No, I there's
2: don't lots think of so. different definitions. Everyone's got a different one. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I
1: mean, my my feeling is that lease lengths were going to re- continue to reduce, irrespective of whether you take it as a ready to fit sort of space or or actually fitted or fully managed you know co-working type space what i think the differentiation is the ease so you get you know with flex you get something that is already fitted you probably get some services and you get that ease hassle-free experience which you don't get if you have to try and go and fit it all out yourself and um take a you know a longer lease yeah you know flexibility on the lease length is part of it but i don't think that is um It'd be all and end-all. Yeah.
3: I completely concur with with Simon, but unfortunately, Ease Space doesn't have the same ring as, <laughs> as ring as Flex Space, so I yeah. think that's why we've fallen on it.
0: So listen, we, we're not going to let you go without doing uh, Tell me something I, I don't know with little, uh, I think, have you been warned about tell me something I don't know? A little nugget of information which sort of shines a bit of light or, or thought or something like that. So we'll come to that in a second. But before that, I want to ask you each one, one question. In this area, as a landlord or building owner, an operator, uh, and as a consultant, what do you have to do really well to
1: succeed? My view is it's the same for both HQ, big development space, as it is for our flex space. It's all about the customer. It's all about looking at everything through the lens of the customer and giving them great service because they are everything to our business and retention is key.
2: Create a place that people genuinely want to come.
3: I think, I mean, Simon mean, said it, service, service, service is is. is... Is paramount. You lose the customer by not giving them what they want or what they need, or being proactive about what their needs might be. You know, constantly moving forward. So you're thinking about what their needs might be in six, twelve, eighteen months' time um, is 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 really important.
0: Right. So come on, then uh, we'll finish with tell me something I don't know. Cal, tell tell us something we don't know. Yeah,
3: I'll leave the interesting answers to Simon and and Natasha because I'll talk about a research stat from our report. But when we last did our, our landlord survey last year, only 3% of building owners uh, would partner with an operator on the whole building. Uh, this year, that's 19%. So it shows a growing education and understanding that actually creating uh, a flexible space and ease of taking space for customers uh, is, is growing in importance.
0: Natasha?
2: I think that WeWork's kind of cast a bit of a shadow on the flex industry. Everyone's talking about the arbitrage module, but actually the dirty secret of the flex sector um, is that profit margins are very tough to maintain, especially in an inflationary environment. And I think that the challenge, that's the upcoming challenge for the sector, although there's like massive demand and like a lot of growth opportunity, maintaining those margins is a challenge that we need to overcome.
1: Hmm. Simon? Slightly less serious, but um, I us kinda say that we are currently looking at making... Uh, Light shades, lamp shades out of orange peel, and it's kind of indicative of just the the striving to reuse materials, so we've got boardroom tables made out of old you know sports halls from schools, we've got church pews as um sort of benches in in our spaces, and there's a real you know drive obviously from a sustainability perspective to recycle and reuse as much as possible and um that may or may not appear in one of our projects soon, but um oh, it's wow. a good example.
0: Yeah, we've not really talked at all about ESG and circular economy and uh, and all that sort of stuff. There's only so much you can do in, in one podcast. But, so thank, thanks for bringing that in uh, at the at the last minute. Listen, thank you all so much for that. That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If all that's done is whet your appetite for more information, you'll find plenty of insights and wisdom on the research section of the Savills website, including the Flexmart report that, that we've been talking about and Savills Landlord Flex report. You'll find all of that at savils.co.uk forward slash research. As I say, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time.
2: This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.